0: Beer with Buffy is a retro-analytical love roast of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. If you'd like to support our show financially, you can find us on Patreon.com slash Beer with Buffy. Don't forget to review us on iTunes if you like what you hear. I was told you were doing competition is a beautiful thing. We're Slayer's girlfriend, the Chosen 2. Why should we let him take over? Gosh, I'm feeling chipper. (laughs) Who's for a root beer? Jeez. I don't like vampires. Let me take a stand and say they're not good. It's fucking fantastic. I love that sound. Uh, the ice cream bar is this way. Welcome to Beer with Buffy. I'm Rex. I'm Josh. Today's episode is Season 3, Episode 18, Earshot. And
1: it sounds like to me, Rex has a public service announcement... That he would like to start us off with.
0: Beer with Buffy is a comedy podcast, but today's episode deals with the very heavy topic of suicide. It's not our intention nor desire to make light of this serious topic, despite the fact that we need to proceed with comedy on this podcast. If you are experiencing feelings or thoughts of suicide ideation, please reach out to a loved one or a mental health professional. You can also always call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or even chat with counselors online at suicidepreventionlifeline.org. That being said, time to get back to being highly
1: inappropriate, which is my new favorite catchphrase. Well, not really a catchphrase so much as we got an iTunes review calling me highly inappropriate. I think they misspoke because what they said was it's hilarious even when Josh is being highly inappropriate. I'm pretty sure they meant especially when Josh is being highly <laughs> inappropriate. Uh it's okay to be wrong. You're still in the t-shirt contest, which we haven't chosen a winner yet, have we? No, we have not. Should we do that right now? We could. We're going to do this completely on the fly. So let's say that the order in which they submitted their entries is their number and now roll in as five entries, right? So pick a random number between 1 and 5. I have a
0: die roller on my on my phone.
1: Rex has a die roller on his phone
0: cuz I'm a nerd.
1: Cuz he's a, well yeah, cuz he's a nerd. And we're going to use that and we're going to pick this winner right here right now. Would you like a drum roll? Yes. Or something
0: entry number
1: three three who's number three number three is alexandria Ware van brunt you are the winner of the beer with buffy of the great
0: beer with buffy t-shirt contest we will email you get your size and your shipping information to ship it to you yeah we're (laughs) going through a third party uh, vendor that we just give the
1: the design to, and then we actually have to purchase the t-shirt ourselves and give them any third-party shipping information, etc. Um, but,
0: you know, we'll take care of that. No cost to you. And as of this moment, you can get Beer with Buffy merch. Bam! And if you're listening to this podcast, you can buy our shit. And that's the official announcement <laughs> right there. We have t-shirt we have a hoodie we have a sticker and a coffee mug yep i was really really disappointed they didn't have a damn bottle opener <laughs> oh man we'll make
1: it happen someday yeah i forgot about that so now that that's taken care of i
0: think it's time for a mom
1: synopsis uh, now that that's taken care of <laughs> all right rex it's been 10 days since we last recorded um yeah, we
0: we need to do better at
1: keeping to our schedule. Uh, well, it kind of worked out because of the t-shirt contest. Right. But the voices were starting to come back and... <laughs> oh, Ho- no. Holy shit, this is, <laughs> this is the best way to get them out. I have to put them back into all of you <laughs> via the internet. Our listeners, you're welcome.
0: Why... Why We talked about this. You can't use random strangers on the internet for therapy. Did we
1: talk about this, or did you talk about this with one of my other personalities? Joshua? What are you doing, Joshua? Oh, we're just talking about multiple personality disorder. And, uh, you know, we gave away a free t-shirt that I hope you never see. I can... uh, (laughs) I'm still completely hiding this whole... I'm a 35-year-old man. (laughs) can't tell my own mom that I'm doing a podcast. Even when I'm living with her, this is fucking special. You're a very special boy, Joshua. (laughs) Very special. So what's going on with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Joshua? As per usual, I've not watched half of the episode, and now I'm here. And you may regale me with the happenings of the episode. Careful, Mom, you got a little British there. Sorry. (laughs) we all know I'm Jewish (laughs) and somehow I'm not I don't know how that happened I think I watched too much Seinfeld when I was a kid I don't think that's how that works Joshua it's an interesting theory anyway get out of your head Joshua get into Buffy's it looks like everybody else has there it is that's the hookup. that's the connection yeah I guess it does look like everybody else is getting into Buffy's head Uh, She acquired a little bit of accidental telepathy this episode because she absorbed some mouthless, big, gooey, scabby demon's glowy blood. Uh, While all the Scoobies were very worried about her and needed to fix this problem before she goes insane, it still happened to help save everybody's lives because she heard some very dangerous thoughts some of which turned out to be suicidal thoughts that she mistook for murderous thoughts. So you know, nice little uh, public service announcement there. But also, you know, don't put rat poison in the cafeteria food. I feel like that goes without saying. But apparently, they needed to say it back in 1999 <laughs> on an episode of Buffy with Vamp- on an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And here we are talking about it on a podcast, <laughs> giving away free T-shirts.
0: I'm, I'm sorry, but I kind of wish the title was Buffy with Vampires. <laughs>
1: Buffy with the, the vampire.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm not with vampire. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Buffy. Guilty as charged. Beer with Buffy. Buffy with vampires. It all works out. Cold open.
0: Ladies, gentlemen, spine headed little creatures. As the sun goes down, found,
1: found, 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 found. as the sun goes down, found, 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 found.
0: Competition is a beautiful thing. Cold open. Cold open. <laughs> Buffy's fighting mouthless demons. She sure is. She
1: knocks them around a bit. One of them gets away, and boy, they don't waste any fucking time at all getting into the episode.
0: No. They are some scabby. Horny looking guys. God, I'd call them mouth breathers, but they don't have one. <laughs> ha But yeah, she kills one of them, the other one skedaddles, and she gets some acrylic white paint blood on her, <laughs> and it absorbs into her skin immediately. It was very phosphorus. Yeah? Yeah.
1: Like, I want some. I want just like a little spray can of it. I don't know what I'd do
0: with it. Yeah, I was just wondering that.
1: But I mean, if it makes you telepathic, I
0: feel like I could market that. Yeah, but we learned in this episode that that's not good. Yeah, they don't need to know that when they're buying it. <laughs> Hell, people sell
1: cigarettes. <laughs> Are you right? <laughs> <laughs> Warning: May cause accidental hermitness. <laughs> Warning, you may have to seclude yourself in the middle of fucking nowhere for the rest of your life, just
0: to not go insane, but you still will.
1: Sorry.
0: There was a time in my life where that idea of secluding myself in the middle of fucking nowhere sounded the best.
1: Yeah, there was a time in my life when that sounded great, too. I call that yesterday.
0: (laughs) See, now I would go nuts if I did that to myself.
1: Oh, I would just freak out because... I can't be alone without my imagination going crazy like
0: a 4-year-old. You're way too naturally paranoid to be like in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I dude, I'm still scared of the fucking dark. Like I have to
1: sleep with one of my cats or with a nightlight or something, <laughs> otherwise I get images of the grudge and I'm and I have to like leap out of bed and run to the fucking
0: light switch like I'm in a fucking how, evil dead movie. How in the fuck of the two of us am I'm not the one who has all those fucking problems, considering I used to have fucking night terrors and shit. Well, I generally don't
1: have bad dreams, and even my scary dreams, hard air quotes here, are really just surreal and interesting and kind of fun, so I guess that's the trade-off.
0: I mean, fuck, I had a night terror not that long ago, like last month.
1: I've only had- it was m- terrifying. I've only had, I like, I can count on one hand- the number of dreams I've had that actually scared me. One of them, I dreamt, this was a night terror technically because I was half awake. I thought there was a spider, the size of a fucking tennis ball with 18 (laughs) goddamn legs rappelling down from the ceiling right over my face. And I literally leapt out of bed and huddled in the corner for like five minutes before I realized it wasn't fucking real.
0: Right, that's right. You just actually posted on our Twitter, I think, about how the more legs, the freakier you find it. Yes,
1: that is absolutely true. I cannot even fucking do centipedes. I just fucking can't.
0: The good news is the demons in this have only the normal two legs and just no mouth. Very humanoid. How do you feel about no mouth?
1: No mouth is pretty creepy. I didn't feel like these guys... It didn't look like they had no mouth. It looked like it was sewn shut or something.
0: I they you didn't re- we didn't really get a good look of them. They looked close. more like
1: Groot if Groot
0: had no mouth. Yeah, kinda. Yeah. Anyway, but, so opening sequence. Yeah, uh, we actually go to the library where Willow and Buffy are talking about the same fucking thing about how no mouth is creepy, <laughs> and Buffy says, "Well, no mouth means no teeth." Unless they have teeth somewhere else. Ew. <laughs> In their butt? I don't know what she was thinking, but she she had that look on her face of she was thinking oh. something awful. <laughs> Tooth butt monster. <laughs>
1: How does that even work? Oh, dear. Um, or a, Oh, I s-
0: God. My brain went into very gross places, <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not going to share that. <laughs> I'm not moving on. Uh, Giles has been researching the Ascension and he has found fuck all nothing.
1: Fuck all. That's goddamn right. So they show Buffy rubbing her hand while he's talking. A little bit of foreshadowing there. Yep, yep, yep. And they essentially completely admit that the last episode added nearly nothing to the overarching mayor's plotline other than now we know that they know that Faith is evil yeah so now i know that you know that they know that we know that faith is evil and uh (laughs) west shows up and promptly requires percussive maintenance on his face
0: yeah nobody quite gives it to him i loved the exchange between him and giles here though because wesley actually gets in a decent zinger
1: and then giles does actually shut him down pretty well so
0: it's beautiful Because while Wesley's zinger is pretty good, Giles is fucking expertly deployed. Yes. (laughs) Wesley walks in and he's like, what's going on? Giles says, oh, just filling them in on the the Ascension research. And Wesley says,
1: what'd you do with the other minute?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just like that. Right. Did you write down what Giles said? Um, shit. After Wesley says, what'd you do with the other minute? He goes, Touche. And then he starts to walk around the table to sit down and he's like, well, I'm I'm only here unofficially. What did you find out? And then Wesley oh, yeah. goes and repeats exactly what Giles had repeated. So the Scoobies all get up and walk out mid-sentence. Yep. They fucking collectively
1: abandon ship Exodus style <laughs> as Wes opens up his stupid face. Giles wings that shit right back into Wes's sniveling, stupid turd face. But yep. Then we cut to the hallway where Buffy and Willow are talking about Angel.
0: Yeah, they never do that. What the fuck has been up with the the last four or five episodes? There's almost nothing but Angel that Willow and Buffy discuss.
1: Yeah, I'm really curious to see what the fuck they have to talk about after he leaves and does his own fucking show. Yeah. Because I don't remember. What are they going to make small talk about?
0: Riley. (laughs)
1: <laughs> shit uh, I hate Riley <laughs> I'm not looking forward to Riley I really don't remember anything about Riley that's going to be interesting Um, but yeah Buffy's still super miffed about Angel being all um, you know pretending to be close with Faith and she's like scared that he actually enjoyed it even though it was all an act that she asked him to do yep. just to extract information from Faith And Willow's advice is
0: fucking talk to him. Again, again, great advice. Time and time and time again. And it has been proven through plot that if Buffy has a problem with Angel, just fucking go talk to him. Which pretty much always
1: seems to be the best course of action anyway. Um, But so, yeah, she shuts down that that conversation pretty quick and they move on. And so Xander's looking at um, Hogan Martin One of the popular jocks coming down the hallway. He's like, look at him. He's all like popular and talented and shit, and everybody loves him. But then when he says hello to Xander, he's like, "Uh, he knows my name. Eee! Yeah. Like, oh, shut up, Xander. Anyway, Willow still has Percy really whipped. Yeah. That makes me happy.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: (laughs) And uh, Willow. Apparently,
0: Willow and Oz and Xander are all going to go to the basketball game. Yep. And poor Buffy is left out.
1: Yeah, because she has to go patrol. And she's sad about it.
0: <laughs> I just love the family circus. That, 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 EJ. Voice talent. That, 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 EJ. Longer Voice than you can imagine. imagine. Yes. Never, never, everyone's a winner. Win, win, winner. Winner. Never have the chance. Never have the chance. Never, never, everyone's a winner. That's sunshine <laughs> and roses. <laughs> it really is.
1: Cut to Giles' office. Buffy is inspecting her itchy hand under a light. She's starting to realize that something's a little off. Yep. And he's starting to flip through some books, and she's pretty much just trying to convince herself that it's okay. Yep. And she says, No big, just another problem for the good people at Luberderm, right? <laughs> anyway, I found that amusing. Giles uh, drops a book with a picture of the demon. There's a really uncanny resemblance.
0: I do like though that anytime they show pictures of demons in these books, they're all like sketches. Yeah, they're hand drawn. Yeah. And that's, that, that's, that's pretty neat. Good prop department there.
1: Yeah. Definitely adds really good uh
0: immersion. Yeah. But apparently the blood will infect a host with the aspect of a demon. And nobody knows what the fuck that means. And Buffy's worried that she's gonna get all scaly and horny. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha my, my favorite part, though, was the her closing line on this scene, because he's telling her about the aspect of the demon, and she looks to him and goes, I hope it's not the outside part. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> and cue the beginning of the great Buffy Wiggins. Yeah. Or at least another one, anyway. You know, Buffy's allowed a few Wiggins here and there.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, she's just to- got told that she's going to turn into part demon. Like... If that doesn't give you the right to Wiggins, I don't know what could. Very few things. (laughs) Very few things. But we go to cheerleaders. So now we're outside
1: at the promenade having a pep rally.
0: Not a very good pep rally at all.
1: (laughs) I mean, I think it's impressive that they were able to have a pep rally with optional attendance uh, instead of just funneling every single student into the gym and saying you're going to watch this pep rally and you're going to get excited which is what they did to us yeah, and i was that's like what they did to me too oh my god what are we
0: doing uh my school you weren't allowed to sit where you wanted really you had to sit with your class
1: i see i don't even remember what they did to us it's just it's a blur It was just like okay go here go there go here go there eat thank god now go i've here. drank
0: that one out of my memory
1: <laughs> yeah um glug 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 <laughs> Inappropri- <laughs> oh, there goes more of high school <laughs>
0: inappropriate feelings during gym class i mean there's fucking linoleum everywhere everywhere <laughs> Anyway, (laughs) Willow's
1: reading from the school newspaper. She says, well, according to Freddie's latest editorial, the pep rally is a place for pseudo prostitutes to provoke men into a sexual frenzy, which, when thwarted, results in pointless athletic competition. Uh, I can't even. I like I like Oz's take. Which is what I was getting to here. It's actually one of my quotes of the day. Xander says, and the downside being? Willow says, well, the school paper is edging on depressing lately. You guys notice that? Oz responds,
0: I don't know. I always go
1: straight to the obits.
0: (laughs) I think he's not so much joking. I think a school newspaper like Sunnydale School Newspaper has fucking obituaries. Right. That's <laughs> another
1: layer to the joke. There's enough people die in Sunnydale <laughs> that they could have an obituary section yeah. in the high school newspaper. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it was, you know,
0: an ironic joke. Depressing. I like dead people. <laughs> Buffy's sitting there and she's barely paying attention because she's checking for horns. <laughs> And then Xander's, and you know, Willow's trying to calm her down, and
1: Xander's attempting to convince himself, and failing completely, that he's over Cordy. Yeah. And then he eats a big old jelly fucking sandwich when he sees Wes staring
0: at Cordy. Oz's response is, you're a very complex man. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But my favorite part, though, is when Willow and Buffy are talking about the demon, Willow's like... (gasps) Was he a boy demon? <laughs> Talking about demon parts. Oh that yeah, Buffy might get. <laughs> and let me tell you, Rule Thirty Four. There's part of that somewhere.
1: Oh dear God. <laughs> Things I didn't need to remember.
0: So you you can't escape Rule Thirty Four. No. So what another.
1: Potential quote of the day here Willow's talking to Buffy and she gets distracted by the pep rally when she's like, Yeah, woohoo! Sorry, they spelled Percy and I have to show support. He's
0: needy. Willow's not doing a very good job of being supportive in this. episode at all well i mean she is just not in that particular moment yeah i feel like she's definitely more supportive after buffy leaves school
1: to be fair there's not a whole lot that anybody really can do to be supportive right once the whole thing
0: starts anyway cut to the next scene uh which is patrolling at night buffy's sad because she knows everyone else is at the fucking basketball game so buff um buffy pulls out a mirror right yep and she's looking at
1: herself, making sure that she's not, like, growing horns or weird shit on her face. And I'm assuming that she has done that every five feet. <laughs> right. Well, so we see the mirror from the back of the mirror. For just a moment, I thought it was a goddamn cell phone. And then I remembered it was 1999.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they existed then, but they were very different things. Very different. Yeah,
1: the first smartphone did not happen until 2007, I'm aware. So, if even if it was a cell phone, she would not be looking at it like that. So,
0: definitely not. But she puts the little compact mirror away, and lo and behold, Angel was standing behind her, but it's a mirror. She couldn't see him exactly. I think she said something like, I should have known you were there because I didn't see you. <laughs> and you know, that's kind of accurate to how the situation with Angel works,
1: pretty much. <laughs> And uh, for a change he was not all Buffy there's a problem right but then Buffy starts raining self pity holy hell and he does his best just like Willow to calm Buffy down but
0: she cannot be calmed she's uncalmable to be fair he does I think he does a pretty fucking good job here oh he does cuz he his line here one of his lines here is one of my quotes of the day cuz he says hey I love you, even if you're covered in slime. (laughs) And then Buffy's response is, I liked everything up until the last part. Because he's going on about how he cares about her and how she's going to be fine. and
1: Yeah, the, the standard boyfriend thing. I'm, g- I'm never going to let anything happen to you. I'm going to take care of you and I'll always be there no matter what. I love you. Baby, I love you. <laughs> Don't you know how much I love you, baby? It's, it, it's why I'm so broody, Buffy. I knew it was fucking Can't you going. see how broody I am? It's because I'm in love with you. Buffy and I can't be in love with you. Anyway, Make, cut to the school. Makes me broody. <laughs>
0: Dig this. Dig this. Sorry you has a wait. Fire beheading. Hurry up, sweet dreams. Sunlight. Hurry up, sweet dreams. Water. Oh, water usual. Oh, yeah. I hit him. With what? A desk. Willow, Oz, and Xander are hanging out in the lounge area talking about the game. And Buffy walks up. Welcome to Scooby Land, where the snack of the day is egg salad, because all them
1: shells they walking all over, oh, snaps. <laughs> yeah, everybody is all, like, trying to be super careful of Buffy's feelings, and, like, everybody's walking on fucking eggshells.
0: And then Cordy steps up and just takes those feelings and kicks it like a fucking football. You can always
1: leave it to Cordy, <laughs> and if there's one thing we learned in this episode, it's that Cordy never thinks anything that she doesn't say. Yep. Yep. Or vice versa. This is the first time where Buffy hears a thought and it happens to be Xander wondering if Cordelia and Wesley have made out yet. Yep. And Buffy's like, that really bothers you, doesn't it? And he's like, what?
0: What are you you talking about? You know, them, them kissing. He's like, oh, you read my mind. And then Dun dun dun. Yep, and the fucking camera zooms in on her and everything, and it's the fucking floodgates because the next scene she's reading fucking everyone's mind. Yeah. Talk about lacking subtle buildup for fuck's sake.
1: (laughs) I was like, oh well shit. So now she can read minds. Wait, what if it's only Xander's mind that she can read? (laughs) That's Oh god. (laughs) That'd be a special kind of hell. Because, as we see in only moments...
0: Oh, yeah. uh,
1: If there's anybody's mind you want to read, Xander's is probably last on that list.
0: (laughs) Like, we pretty much already knew, anyway. They establish quite accurately, though, that boys in high school are disgusting. I mean, hormones are just the worst. But immediately after going through the hallway, Buffy goes to the library to talk to Giles about this aspect of the demon giles is skeptical at first but (laughs) buffy's actually a little
1: excited yeah because well now she knows what the aspect is and it's not a physical or visual aspect in any way and so one of my quotes of the day she's like this is great because shopping for jeans is hard enough without a tail (laughs) something to that effect Yeah, it was a good one but what those demons didn't even have tails though
0: Did they? I don't remember.
1: No, they didn't. They were super humanoid. I'm
0: sure she's fought so many demons she can't tell them apart at this point. Yeah, it's definitely where the joke was, at least. He suspects for a brief moment that maybe she's not reading minds so much as projecting thoughts upon people. But Buffy shuts this idea down by saying, Oh, when I came into the room, you thought, Look at her shoes. If a fashion magazine said to wear cats strapped to her feet, She'd do it. <laughs> yeah,
1: that was a good one. So once he realizes that she's actually reading minds here, he's actually kind of excited as well about the ramifications of how this power could actually benefit Buffy in combat situations specifically. And it really fucking would. Absolutely, it would. And Buffy's like, Yeah, that sounds great. But she has her own ideas.
0: Because <laughs> immediately. She wants to cheat in class. Yeah. So cut to the classroom
1: where Buffy can hear her teacher's thoughts. And she scores some points chatting about Othello. She's hearing the girl next to her be like, damn it, I was going to say that. And she's getting competitive. And Xander's like, oh, I didn't know we were supposed to study something. And Willow's like, wow. Buffy actually understood the reading, and then she hears Freddy's voice, and this is the first spot where we maybe sort of kind of are supposed to have a bit of a fuchsia trout Yeah, about a- Freddy being some kind of a villain in this episode. Because she hears Freddy's voice, and he's going on about how he reviles them all for clamoring for the teacher's praise like pigeons for breadcrumbs, and he's really just a, an angsty teenager who gets off on writing fancy words or, you know, a teenager's version of fancy words.
0: Yeah, definitely. I have to point out, though, that the exact thing that Buffy does here is outright fucking cruel because she's not reading the minds of all the students. She's literally just reading the mind of one student and saying everything that that one student is fucking thinking. So she's not like going, oh, this is a good idea that this student has, and I'm going to steal that. She's not stealing ideas from everyone. No, she's just literally pulling out of the brain of one student only. Oh, I thought she was only pulling answers from the teacher. No, the student next to her. Oh, it was from that girl? Oh, that is cruel. The last thing she says that bringing up the dissertation thing that she pulled from the teacher. But before that, everything she pulls from that one fucking student. (laughs) Well, I suspect that because this power
1: only just started for her, that the proximity was a factor.
0: It is. And I think she
1: was only getting like sporadic, like the strongest thoughts that were coming out of, you know, the conscious portion of people's brains. My biggest problem with how she hears voices is that's not really how a stream of consciousness works. It's a hell of a lot more cluttered in any one brain than, uh, you know, one completely coherent thought here and there.
0: Well, and it's definite that she's not so much hearing thoughts as she is hearing the inner monologue. Sure, yeah,
1: and this is definitely a much better way to do it for storytelling purposes than to try and accurately represent the the brain activity, which is just a massively complex thing.
0: I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I don't really have an inner monologue. Interesting. As I'm sure you know, I don't really do a whole lot of thinking before I speak. This is why I can really relate to Cordy, (laughs) because... Speaking is part of the thought process for me, so there's not a whole lot of inner monologue in my head, because my mind mostly operates in imagery. Okay, just fun fact hmm. that the show made me think about.
1: I guess I don't really have a good analogy for how. My mind operates, because it's not like that sentence that I just said was completely there before I said it. Just now, I'm just kind of piecing it together as I say it. Wow, this is becoming a fun thought exercise. (laughs) You should try it at home, kids. Anyway, before we go too deep on that rabbit hole, so the teacher's analysis of Othello is turning into... Waxing, philosophical about our psychological tendency to doubt ourselves and the people around us and whether or not our girlfriends or boyfriends specifically really love us. And this is an obvious allusion and a handy segue to Angel and Buffy's nope. situation. Therefore, cut to...
0: Cut to Angel's house and let me ask this important question. What the fuck is Angel doing even walking towards the goddamn curtain in the first place so that he can be standing in front of it when she walks through? Because she shows up during the daytime
1: And does he get singed? Why is
0: he remotely near the fucking goddamn curtain?
1: Maybe, um, he probably just knew that it was Buffy. I don't know.
0: He knew it was Buffy and didn't didn't assume that she's going to walk in any fucking second?
1: I guess I didn't think about it too hard.
0: Anyway, Buffy keeps trying to prompt him to talk about Faith, or think about Faith more specifically. But the power doesn't work on him. Nope. Apparently, it's
1: very similar to a mirror. Honestly, this makes more sense than not being able to be seen in a mirror. It's like, you're still a corporeal being, but it makes sense that your brain activity is different now that you're undead. Yeah. Cause like light is obviously still reflecting off of you because we can fucking see you. That's just, that's how mirrors work.
0: There's no reason a mirror
1: shouldn't work.
0: That, actually legitimately brings up way more questions than I need to be dealing with right now. Right? It absolutely does, because
1: (laughs) that kind of makes me think that the fact that he's undead and has no pulse and no heartbeat, maybe light is actually not reflecting off of him, and he is just some sort of ethereal force that's being projected into our
0: brains visually. Okay. So that we can understand his... We we are not going down that rabbit hole, and because that brings about a lot of physics questions.
1: And maybe that's why sunlight kills them so fast. It's because they're actually just a collection of very delicate, photon-sensitive particles.
0: Can you just move on, please? Yeah, so I can... So that we cannot go down this rabbit hole? I can absolutely
1: I would- move on, Rex, because it's so rare that... <laughs> I'm, like, I'm legitimately trying to not go down this rabbit hole. That's a very long rabbit hole. I'm, I'm happy that I posed a, an interesting question to you, though. Ugh. We'll talk about that later. Maybe we'll do a bonus episode about that. And so uh, I just had a little exchange here that I liked how it ended, you know, after. So Buffy actually broaches the subject and yep. he, realized, or he realizes she's trying to get into his head. And that she found the aspect of the demon and she can't. And he says, and Buffy, be careful with this gift. A lot of things that seem strong and good and powerful, they can be painful, Buffy. Like, <laughs> say, immortality? <laughs> exactly. I'm dying to get rid of that.
0: Buffy says, funny. He says, I'm a funny guy. You put way more emotion behind it than he did, though. <laughs> Because he straight face says, I'm a funny guy.
1: Yeah, it was a great moment. I really can't. uh, That's why I slipped into dramatic reading mode there. I really ruined it. I'm just shitting all over this right now. Everybody go watch the episode.
0: I have another quote here, though. During this whole talking thing, he says, I've been with dozens of girls like her talking about Faith. Oh, yeah. I've been with dozens of girls like her more. And Buffy's response is. Oh, this honesty stuff is fun. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> like <laughs> oh god. From personal experience, I know she does not want to hear that right now, Angel. Right? But yeah, I give I give kudos to Angel for the dad joke. It was a solid dad joke. <laughs>
1: Immortality. I'm dying to get rid of that. <laughs>
0: Heyo. Yep. Oh god. Cut to the library and cue the best scene in the episode. <laughs> really. Yes, the funniest scene in the episode, at least.
1: Oh, probably. So Buffy creeps everybody out by hearing what they're thinking. Xander, of course, has linoleum very much on the brain. (laughs) Oz waxes philosophical. Wesley oogles Cordy. Cordy never thinks
0: anything she doesn't say. My favorite fucking part, though, of this entire goddamn episode is Oz's whole fucking thing. Because he's basically going on about like if if Buffy can hear what we're thinking and then Buffy is us and we're Buffy and we're all Buffy and just he's going in fucking logical circles with this. Well,
1: he's extending the whole philosophy of I think therefore I am. Yeah. And so he's like, but if Buffy is hearing my thoughts, then if I think therefore Buffy is me And if we're all providing the thoughts that Buffy is thinking, then Buffy thinks, therefore we are. And it was
0: actually kind of impressive. Yeah, but the best part is Xander can't get linoleum off his goddamn brain. (laughs) (laughs) And Buffy is just grossed out, as she should be. Xander does the only possible smart thing in this situation. Fucking bolts. Yeah, I like. I mean, they were all just
1: kind of sitting there, just letting Buffy hear their thoughts. And Buffy, of all of them, is like, "Christ, Xander, is that literally all you think about?" He's like, "Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I, I cartoon
0: had to pause. style." I had to pause and laugh a good long laugh over this. It was The timing was fucking perfect. The look on Xander's face right before he bolts is he, just the best. You can
1: always count on Xander for timing. Yeah.
0: But Willow's worried because she, in this moment, realizes that Buffy can hear what Oz is thinking. And Willow is jealous because she doesn't know what Oz is thinking. Oh, yeah. And she is upset because if, I guess, Willow's logic is if Buffy can hear hear people's thoughts, then she doesn't need Willow. And basically, just the whole situation slowly builds and boils over to well, the point. Well, and
1: also that she'll be able to be that she'll be able to know people better, and therefore know Oz better than even yeah. Willow knows him, and therefore be more capable of being intimate with him. And I'm like, whoa, no, 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 that's that's not how that works.
0: But the whole situation boils over where pretty much everyone is like, oh, no, we're done with this. Fuck sitting around this girl who can read our fucking minds.
1: Yeah, but then Buffy decides to just remove herself rather than make everybody else leave, even though everybody else is pretty much left already anyway. Yep. So whatever, back to the hallway again. And so now we're in the hallway and kind of a montage of the voices getting uh, louder and more invasive. Yep. uh, With all those angsty adolescent thoughts happening around her. Back to the library. Giles pulls up a book. Yep.
0: They reveal that this has happened to someone before and that person lives in perfect isolation because the voices are too fucking much.
1: Yeah, I wonder how far away he has to be to not hear anybody's thoughts. I think he said he was in Ecuador. Was it Ecuador?
0: I I didn't write it down. I
1: don't know. I guess it doesn't really matter.
0: Yes, it's terrible. The good guys are always stalwart and true. The bad guys are easily distinguished by their pleating words or black hands. Uh, we always defeat them and save the day. No one ever dies and...
1: So now we're in the cafeteria and Buffy
0: hears everything.
1: Yeah. It's just, it's like being in a crowded room where everybody's talking except nobody's really talking. And so
0: I really do love how they do this though, because they legitimately recorded the fucking actual voices of all these random fucking actors. Right. And that was extremely well done. They could have just fucking recorded any goddamn voices for a lot of them. but
1: Well, they may have for a lot of the extras, but they made sure to hit the ones that they knew we'd recognize, like Jonathan. Yeah. Again, great moment for storytelling, but it didn't make a whole lot of sense considering how this whole thing was going down. All of the voices suddenly stop and we hear one voice overpower all of them yep and it says this time
0: tomorrow i'll kill you all yeah and buffy drops her lunch and freaks out and passes out and wakes up to a circle of scoobies
1: cordelia is fucking hilarious just so many things that she there's rarely a thing that she says that isn't at least partially funny She says, I told them not to move you. They probably severed your spinal cord. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, seriously, though. Like, good looking out, Cordy. You're the smartest one in the damn group at this point. She
0: kind of is.
1: Yeah, I guess they didn't know if she had a head or a back injury or what. You know, when somebody passes out like that, you know, you call a fucking ambulance. You don't drag her outside.
0: Well, and I guess they probably wouldn't call an ambulance because, you know, Slayer.
1: Yeah, also they know yeah kind of sort of what probably the issue is so Buffy's all wigging out she's like somebody's gonna kill everybody there I heard a voice they're gonna kill everybody they're noon tomorrow somebody in the lunchroom right now Xander's like I've been saying for years that lunch lady's gonna kill us all with that mulligan stew I mean what is a mulligan anyway <laughs> uh,
0: Xander's an idiot but at least he's a funny idiot he's also completely right in this exact moment <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Sure, he's joking,
1: but he's not wrong. The ultimate irony of the episode, absolutely. And then amongst all of the hubbub, Xander has another ridiculous line here that brings up an interesting point. Uh, He says, yeah, I mean, who hasn't just idly thought about taking out the whole place with a semi-automatic? And I was like, oh, shit. Boy, this certainly wouldn't fly today. Yeah. And I was like, man, this must have been before Columbine. Guess what? It wasn't. Yeah. It was actually only a couple months after. This episode aired September 28th, 1999. Columbine was April 20th, 1999.
0: They even make mention of the fact that school shootings are were becoming too common. Yep. And now they're even more common. Mm-hmm. Now's a good time as any. This whole episode sits very heavy with me. My days in high school were fucking hell. My days in school, period, were hell. I was the kid who got picked on the most. I was very troubled. I have my own mental issues that I have to deal with, and they were really bad and uncontrolled in high school. My parents didn't give a fuck. I didn't get help or anything like that. I was once voted unofficially in an unofficial fucking stupid yearbook poll thing i was once voted most likely to bring a gun to school and kill everyone yeah holy shit if they'd done that at the
1: homecoming which is where you normally vote for those kinds of awards i feel like the faculty would have shut that shit down but i also know that there's some really unprofessional faculty out there that actually would have not only let it happen but encouraged it
0: this episode does a beautiful job of explaining the whole reality of the situation that is high school. And we'll we'll get to the real meat of that later. Yeah, definitely. During the, the climax of the story, but... Climax? Yes.
1: Well, I feel like that's its own joke. I really got nothing to add to that. <laughs> so, just to wrap up the scene, uh, Buffy tells them to make a list of all the people in the cafeteria... I really liked the moment where um, Buffy started reading everybody's thoughts again in the group. And Giles' thought was, she looks so tired. That hit me hard. I was like, he's such a good fucking father figure to her. Yeah. And then so Giles takes Buffy home and the rest of them leave supposedly to go uh, write down everybody that was in the cafeteria. And I guess they actually do.
0: He's the one character in this entire fucking episode who doesn't have thoughts about himself constantly yeah definitely really Um, good job
1: on the psychological writing there
0: yeah every every single other fucking person that she reads the minds of are focused on their own fucking needs and their own desires and impulses and shit
1: yeah even when she's um reading giles's mind back to him straight to his face he's nearly unmiffed by it yeah yeah interesting Well, we always knew he was the best character, right? So cut to the library. Willow decides that they should cross-reference all of the students with the FBI records of serial killers and mass shooters. This is where that quick nod to school shootings comes up, probably specifically because of Columbine. Xander says, I'm still having trouble with the fact that one of us is just going to gun everybody down for no reason. Cordelia says, yeah, because that never happens in American high schools. Oz says... It's bordering on trendy at this point. Heyo.
0: Yeah, and it's only gotten worse from this, from then.
1: Yeah, it's gotten surprisingly worse. But, yeah, this show, ahead of its time, as always, like, I thought they were just making an off-color joke with what Xander said earlier about the who hasn't idly thought about semi-automatic blah. And I was like, ooh, ixnay on the everything a...
0: I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if they specifically wrote this episode in light of that.
1: That would make sense. I mean, they handle other aspects of it well. I don't feel like it it really only grazed the subject of mass school shootings, though.
0: it, It could do better, but it definitely did good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it definitely didn't hurt that they brought it up. Right. So anyway, they all get to work, and now we're back at Buffy's house... And Which is my second favorite scene of the episode. <laughs> I'm just so very disappointed that we didn't actually get to hear Joyce's voiceover. Right for what's, what the hell for what's about to happen. Because it's about to be revealed to Buffy that Joyce had sex with Giles. Twice. Twice! <laughs> and pure vindication, we were absolutely right. Like, it was all speculation up to this point. We were pretty sure. But god damn it, that's exactly what happened. And not only once, but twice.
0: My favorite part is that the payoff for how long this took was excellent. Yeah, it was like a whole season. That was a season ago. <laughs> oh, man. Way to hold a card, guys.
1: Way to hold a card. It was pretty impressive. Definitely well played because like, Buffy's trying to get Joyce to stay and just sit with her. Joyce is being a busybody, and she's like, Do you want soup? I'll get you soup. <laughs> Chicken and stars? Okay.
0: Maybe blankets. Here, you need more blankets. I'll be right back with more blankets. But the moment Joyce stops moving, Buffy's like, What? You had sex with Giles? Yeah. <laughs> and uh. Joyce bolts out of the room. On a police car? <laughs> just, we were teenagers twice! <laughs> <laughs> like, even though we don't get to hear Joyce's thoughts, the delivery is fucking excellent. It, it was.
1: I wonder if that was just because they didn't like manage to pin her down in time to do voiceovers with her
0: i I think it was partly because of how the comedic timing works out,
1: yeah. I guess the reveal could have very easily been an artistic choice, and it worked. It definitely worked. Yeah. It was hilarious, Buffy, you made some bad choices. You just might have to live with some consequences. This isn't over.
0: If I have to, I'll go all the way to the mayor.
1: cut back to the library. Where Willow is making Xander, Oz, and Cordelia run off to interview their 12 most probable suspects with worksheets. And sample questions. And hilarity <laughs> ensues. So Willow takes Jonathan. I find it extra funny that this is the second time we've seen Willow interrogating Jonathan. Right. She's and very good at it. She is. and uh, But this time Jonathan didn't pee in the pool. Right. Um do do
0: do No, this whole fucking sequence has been done before and I enjoyed that actually. Uh-huh. But Jonathan does a very good job at
1: playing dumb and just confused. I didn't write down anything that he said. I just recall that it was they they gave us nothing. Absolutely no clue in that maybe Jonathan
0: is planning anything whatsoever. Right, they did a pretty good job of not being like, "Oh, look, here's the bad guy." Yeah, their
1: their fuchsia trout was well placed in this episode. I dare There's a say lot of reddish
0: fish. I dare say
1: episode. it may actually qualify as a red herring.
0: Honestly, yeah, yeah, it didn't work on me. But I've seen the episode before, and i I suspect had I not recently seen the episode, mm-hmm. I would have probably been like, "Oh." what the fuck is he the bad guy yeah
1: i couldn't remember exactly how all the shit went down but uh i didn't remember that jonathan had anything to do with it but i knew that like freddie didn't have shit to do with it either
0: um so freddie is dodging oz yeah because freddie is oz's assignment oz also interviews hogan
1: which i thought was funny he's out there playing basketball he was just so eager to please him. Is that a good answer? I want to get this right. <laughs>
0: it's a fucking survey.
1: And then Cordelia cracks me the fuck up again. Like Cordelia is not <laughs> heavily involved in this episode, but where she is, she's fucking on point. She, she walks in to Mr. Beach's class and she says, hi, Mr. Beach. I was just wondering, were you planning on killing a bunch of people tomorrow? Oh, it's for the yearbook. Yeah, and it's fucking gold. The way she smiles is absolutely priceless. Like, she gives this big cheesy <laughs> grin and then somehow manages to make it bigger with her bottom lip just showing a little bit more teeth. Pricelessly timed. Right up there with Nicholas Brendan's comedic timing. Yeah. So, speaking of, Xander's interviewing some girls on the steps. Yeah, I don't think those questions had anything to do with the actual...
0: Handouts that Willow gave him. No, I I suspect, strongly suspect that Xander may have just deviated from the sample questions. Yeah, he's using his noggin on how to get to that linoleum.
1: <laughs> like, hmm. So I have to quiz random people, and I, he came up with his own quiz. And he says, "So your turnoffs are smoking, insensitive men, and Birkenstocks." Now, your idea of the perfect romantic evening. Katie, let's start with you. Like, yeah, he made that shit up. It's clever.
0: It was. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm impressed that they're actually answering the questions and not looking at am going, why the fuck are you asking these questions? These don't sound like the sort of questions you'd ask for a yearbook. Fuck off, Xander. Right? Like that other girl does with Willow in just a moment. Yeah. Yeah. So some real quick cuts here. We cut back to Buffy. She's listening to her neighbors and shit. It's getting worse. Then we cut to the library where Giles and Wes are trying to figure out a cure, and it requires the demon's heart. And Giles is like, oh, who's going to get the demon's heart? Obviously, it's Angel. Yeah. So Wes is just being a fucking
1: dolt because he pretty much just repeats what Giles said. He's like, right. well, we don't, I don't know who's going to get the demon heart. And Wes is like, yes, well, that's all well and good, but be more positive. Now we just need to find out who's going to get the demon heart. And Giles is like, yes, Burke, which turns out is just a Britishism for twit or a fool or a prat. So, yeah, just adding that to the, yeah. to the pile of good British insults. Yeah, then we're in the park. Angel fights the demon. It runs off. Cut back to the school. Willow continues to interview suspects and uh, this is where the girl that was sitting next to Buffy earlier is like, wait, do I ever feel suspicious of other students? Not until you just asked me that. (laughs) Ha ha. Willow has this look on her face like, that's fair. Right. (laughs) And then Xander's interviewing Larry, uh, suspecting that he's having trouble Being a closeted gay. Turns out Larry's
0: very, very out of the closet now. Yeah. Good for you, Larry. Yeah, no, seriously, though. Okay, Larry's awesome that he's out and everything, but while he definitely obviously suspects that Xander is gay and in the closet, his suggestion is to have Freddy do a fucking announcement in the goddamn school paper, When is that an okay idea? That's the worst idea. (laughs) That is the worst idea, absolutely. Oh, it will be tasteful. Come on, Larry. What the hell is wrong with you?
1: Yeah, is that how you came out? I highly
0: doubt that.
1: Also, from everything I've heard, it's just not a good idea to tell somebody. like Whether you're gay or not, that doesn't give you an authority on... Other people's sexuality. You shouldn't be telling people that you think they're gay. They need to come around to it on their own the same way that you did.
0: Yeah, and I mean... Or didn't, if you're not. Right. But the simple fact uh, that Larry is trying to push him towards being out is... It doesn't sit well with me,
1: well, and I think it's really just a a miscommunication, yeah, because Larry doesn't understand why Xander's asking him about it, and he's just presuming that you know he's curious about the concept of being gay and coming out, but really you know Xander has ulterior motives for his investigation because somebody's gonna fucking kill everybody
0: I do want to say though, I greatly appreciate them bringing Larry back, yeah, it's been a while like, it's been a while, Mr. But- boss. It adds some cohesion to the school. It feels a little more real to me because it's like, oh, this is actually someone we've seen every season. Right? Yeah, a little bit, I suppose. Oz is still trying to find Freddy and can't.
1: Yeah, he's like slinking around corners
0: and shit trying to avoid them. Cut to the library where the Scoobs all suspect Freddy because he's the only one on the list that they can't find. That's pretty much all
1: that amounts to before we go back to Buffy's house. Giles and Joyce are standing in the doorway where Buffy is just completely and just writhing because she can't make one thought out from another. She can pretty much hear the entire neighborhood now. Right. It's not just people next and to her.
0: In this scene, Joyce is like, I worry because I feel like I'm hurting her with my thoughts. And Giles' response is, well, it doesn't really matter because she can hear everything. You're just part of the din. Uh, exactly. Which, fun fact, din, one of my favorite words. Yeah? I love that word. Oh, congratulations. It's, so it's It's so short, simple, but illustrative. What a very concise
1: description of that word. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, very nice. (laughs) Angel shows up at the front door. Wes lets him in, almost like it was planned for him to be there. Yep. And he's steaming because, you know, he's running around in the daytime like an absolute git. But it's for the well-being of Buffy. He's got this big blue glowing
0: chunky shit in a vial. (laughs) It looks fucking disgusting it really really does i don't care how badly i'm suffering from telepathy sickness i don't want to fucking drink that shit not so much at least put it in a fucking blender i want to know <laughs> did it taste like blue
1: <laughs> well it looked like he already had put it in a blender but it was still super chunky yeah it was way too chunky like just the wrong absolute wrong texture of chunky Yeah, like, Ugh. large chunks amongst too much liquid and it was too thin but it was also glowing effervescent blue and uh, blah, blah, blah. Eh, 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 exactly so he makes Buffy drink it she reacts poorly fucking duh what kind of deal this is i mean is it a gathering a shindig or a hoot nanny? whole gathering is brie mellow song stylings shindig dip less mellow song stylings per perhaps a large amount of malt beverage and hootenanny a well, chock full of hoot just a little bit of
0: nanny and then we cut to the school to the bell tower super foreboding music
1: as we see jonathan unpacking a sniper rifle Well, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And we cut back to Buffy's,
0: and she's better now.
1: (laughs) We were all dying, and now everything's fine. Okay, maybe not everything, but Buffy's okay. Yeah. And she wasn't dying. She was just going crazy.
0: The next scene is they corner Freddy in his office. They're basically like, oh, you're the one. You wanted to kill everyone. And he's like, no, I didn't want to kill anyone. I just thought Oz was pissed because I gave the I gave Dingo's Ate My Baby a a bad review. And then Oz reads this review. And I
1: fucking love this review. Yeah. Dingo's Ate My Baby played their instruments as if they had plump Polish sausages taped to their fingers. Freddy says. Sorry, man. And Oz says, no, that's fair. And, you know, based on the established amount of musical knowledge that Oz supposedly has, I can imagine that's about what it would sound like. Yeah. Like if they can only play three fucking chords. (laughs) And... (laughs) Is it hard to play the guitar? Not the way I play it. Yeah. Those two... Isolated quotes all by themselves lead me to believe they are not a good band. No, I don't imagine so. Yet we've heard their music, and it didn't seem that bad. No. Notable quote of the day: When Buffy enters, Xander says, "You're okay. Can you hear thoughts?" She, <laughs> yeah. I, she shakes her. I totally her, forgot about that. She things. shakes her head, and Xander's like, "Just when I wasn't thinking about sex." <laughs> you know what? I don't believe him. Not for no, a second. Not for a second. I think he was thinking about sex. Anyway, but yeah, Cordy
0: finds that letter. Everyone's like, we need to figure out who it was. But Cordy picks up a fucking random piece of paper from the desk and it happens to be Jonathan's note. It's like um, the very obvious letter. It's
1: like, by this time tomorrow, you'll know what I've done. I'm like, why would you even
0: bother sending that to anybody? I guess cry also, for help. You just put it on the dude's desk Like, that doesn't guarantee that it's going to get published. Right? Yeah. Or you see that and be like, what the fuck is this? I'm not going to publish this. Or even read before. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So they all run off searching for Jonathan because he signed it. Yeah. So uh, they know he's planning on doing something that involves death. And, uh, man, he's really taking a sweet time putting that stupid gun together. Oh yeah. But, uh, you know, I mean, maybe it's only the first time he's done it. Uh, Buffy sees him up in, up in the clock tower
0: or the bell tower. Yeah, Way to put the gun together directly in front of the only open window, Jonathan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then she parkours her ass up the fucking side of the building. And I, I kind of
1: suspected that's what she was about to do. I was like, uh-oh, he's up there with a the gun. Do you even know
0: the route to get up there properly? I know I don't, and I wouldn't fucking bother if I had your powers. My favorite part, though, is she jumps up and grabs the eaves of the roof. Yeah. Yeah and she like does this flip thing to jump up onto the roof and the one girl that she was like stealing all the thoughts from mm-hmm. in class like looks over her shoulder and goes i could do that <laughs> bullshit yeah seriously
1: <laughs> yeah so she ends up having this long heart to heart with jonathan i didn't find any of it particularly quote worthy but she's like i understand your pain he's
0: like what would you know about pain the specifics of her speech have never stuck with me, but the content of her speech has actually stuck with me for years. Because her major point here is, everyone you see is so self-focused and so in their own little fucking world. That's why it always feels like no one fucking cares because everyone, they're dealing with their own shit.
1: Yeah, she's looking down over the crowd and she says, looks quiet down there, doesn't it? It's not. And as you brought up earlier... Um, Like, Giles is the only person throughout the episode that isn't just thinking about their own petty shit. Yeah. And And not, you know, not
0: to belittle people's pain as petty, but I just did. So... No, like, my, my point is, is I... I've always found this whole notion very comforting. It's the realization that, okay, yeah, I'm dealing with some shit, but everyone's dealing with some shit. Yeah. It goes with the, the whole thing of if someone is having the worst day ever, you don't fucking respond with, oh, but so-and-so's had it worse. No, yeah. that's bullshit. Because if it's their worst day ever, it's their worst day ever. They don't have other experiences but what they've experienced to measure that against. Yeah. And that's an important perspective on life that we should all have and all learn, but we don't.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And as Jonathan says here, oh, you all think I'm stupid. You just think I'm too short and you make fun of me. But it's like no one's thinking about that. Everyone's self-focused. Everyone's focused on their own bullshit. Yeah. And it as doesn't she, matter. As she specifically said, honestly,
1: I don't think about you much at all. Yeah. Which sounds harsh, but at the same time, it's it's better than active negative thoughts.
0: Yeah, it's the same, I I find the same comfort in that that I do in the nihilistic view of where insignificant specks that have no real impact on the universe as a whole. Sure. It seems like a a dark place to think from, but if we're generally insignificant, then the whole doesn't matter that much. And why get so fucking stressed about it?
1: But yeah, moral of the story is don't invalidate other people's pain. Yeah. Everybody has pain and their pain is their pain and other people's pain does not make their pain not their pain. So. Exactly. Shut the fuck up about it already. Not you,
0: I just mean you know, right, no. people
1: in general. But also you. But also people in general.
0: I mean, you always want me to shut up. That's nothing new. That's like <laughs> half our friendship. Um, but... This is the moment that it's revealed that Jonathan didn't come up here to kill everyone. Yeah. He came up here to kill himself.
1: Which, really shitty location choice and extra shitty
0: gun choice. It has always bothered me that he chose a fucking rifle with a scope that he was going to kill himself with. But if you think about it along the terms of that's the gun he had available. Right. There's
1: no... Evidence that he could have had an entire arsenal at his disposal. Or even the money to go buy a gun of his choice.
0: On a positive note, though, the fact that it was a rifle he had to take extensive time putting together probably saved his life. Right? The reason why guns increase the chance of suicide is they're too fucking easy to do it. Because the moment you pull that trigger, you can't take that back. Yeah. No other way is as quick and awful as a gun. And I say young people don't learn anything in high school nowadays, but I've um, learned to be a friend. So, what was the uh, story about that alligator? Cut to the lunchroom, which is just a hilarious moment. Because Xander's like, mm, I'm going to eat me some fucking jello. I'm going to go in the in the school kitchen and steal some jello. God damn jello.
1: And I mean, how did he notice that there was jello? Wouldn't it have
0: been in like the buffet line? I think he saw that there was some in the buffet line, but he's like, "No, I'm going to go get me that forbidden kitchen jello." <laughs> he must have cuz he walks in, he picks up the jello, he's about to drop it in his mouth, and he looks over and he sees the lunch lady just very casually Dumping a giant box of rat poison in the soup.
1: Yeah. Or for those of you who play Fallout,
0: it looked like a big box of a Braxo. Right? Yeah. Xander looks over at her and she's frozen looking at him just holding the box as like it's just pouring out in a rush. Yeah. They lock eyes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just an amazing moment that is very difficult to verbally describe. Yeah. Um, even though that's our job and apparently we suck at it. (laughs) (laughs) Actually looking at our iTunes reviews, we don't. Yeah. Thanks for that. Everybody. Good job. And so
0: Buffy shows up uh, because Xander's making a huge ruckus. Yeah. He runs out of the, out of the kitchen. He's telling everyone rat poison, rat poison, knocking food out of people's hands and everything. Flipping fucking tables. The lunch lady
1: chases him with a cleaver. (laughs) Buffy shows up because there's a commotion and she's just good at that. Buffy catches the lunch lady's hand as she's swinging the cleaver at Xander. And she breaks down and starts crying. She's like, vermin. You're all vermin. You come in here and you eat. and You eat filth. And Buffy's like, I don't see this being settled with logic. And then proceeds to... Kind of, sort of, whoop
0: her ass. The lunch lady wants to kill them all because they're vermin who eat filth? She makes the food. I don't think she was saying that
1: the food was filth. I see where you're going with that. I don't think she but was what saying filth that... filth is she talking I don't about. think she was saying that you come in here and eat filth, because there was a big pause between eat and filth. You come in here and you eat, period, and then she's calling the students filth.
0: That would make more sense. I, just, I well, guess I didn't also, hear it that way.
1: She probably doesn't have a whole lot of control over what she feeds them.
0: Yeah, that's fair.
1: Especially if she has to make mulligan
0: stew. Especially with Snyder running the school. Yeah,
1: absolutely. They're probably using the cheapest, nastiest, grade <laughs> oh, D beef and green fucking hot
0: dogs. Do you remember green hot dogs? The, I never had green hot dogs.
1: Uh, Well, they weren't supposed to be green, but they were green. Like you could tell that the meat was just so close to turning and it had it was so pumped full of preservatives. Like they were <laughs> they were partially pink but they were turning green.
0: You know, more than likely Snyder gets his food from the Delta quadrant.
1: <laughs> He's got to make use of that wormhole. Yeah. Got to squeeze it for every penny of gold-pressed latinum.
0: <laughs> cut so, to next day.
1: Cut to the wrap up. Buffy laid waste to the evil, evil uh, lunch lady, and Adam Sandler wrote a song about it. Yeah, he did, in fact. Mm-hmm. Him uh, and Sloppy Joe got married, got six kids, and they're doing just fine. Anyway, Down now, in lunch,
0: lady. I was trying to avoid that. <laughs> Anyway, the next day, Willow and Buffy are talking about Angel again. Yeah. How about that Beshtel
1: test, guys? Right. (laughs) Right. That's what I think every time that there's two named female characters, which, okay, that's great, but they're talking about boys. Yep. They're always talking about boys. Like, we're not that interesting. Like, really. Right. Yeah. I don't have ideas of my own. (laughs) I read books and I play video games. I mean, I do. I consume. Do you? I do. Do you, Rex? Yeah. I bet those argyle socks were all your idea.
0: They fucking were.
1: Yeah. Is that why they were prepackaged in a department store?
0: I I didn't buy them in a department store. I bought these socks because I got a pair of Batman socks that I wore one time. I never. I didn't want to wear them, but I. Didn't have any clean socks. I'm like, well, fuck, I guess I'm going to wear these Batman socks. So I put the fucking Batman socks on and I went about my day. And for some fucking reason, having colorful socks just brightened my goddamn day. And that was the day I realized, you know what? I'm done wearing white socks. And I went and fucking bought a giant packet of Argyle socks. And I've been wearing them ever since. Yeah, I've been wearing my
1: Christmas socks more often ever since you told me that story. Actually, And, uh, you know, you're not entirely wrong. You're really not.
0: And women who like nerdy guys, like me. Yeah. I'm a nerdy guy. Women who like nerdy guys like nerdy guys who wear Argyle socks. Yeah.
1: Also, to hell with whitey tighties. Yeah. I made the switch to colored boxer briefs, and I am loving it.
0: <laughs> anyway, Giles shows up willow departs saying that she's going to give the murder profiles to the yearbook because it's a really good read and giles is checking in with buffy seeing how jonathan is and all that (laughs) at the start of the scene another quote of the day willow says so you're feeling
1: better about angel (laughs) i criticize it for being you know anti beshtel test but this shit's still funny buffy says well we talked Then he ripped the heart out of a demon and fed it to me. And then we talked some more. Yeah. And Will was like, and that's how it's supposed to work. Right. (laughs) And it was the chunkiest, nastiest, blue glowing shit. I don't understand why it was blue. Because the blood that went into her hand in the beginning of the episode was silver.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Who knows? Anyway, Jonathan's doing okay. He got suspended for having a gun on campus. Nowadays... There would be no such slap on the wrist. Right. You you go to jail. You never go to a fucking public school ever again, at the very least. But the whole fucking entire scene is only meant to build up to this one moment because Giles and Buffy are talking about, you know, the normal stuff. And then she says, oh, yeah, we can do training if you're not too busy having sex with my mother. Oh, oh, oh. and he runs into a tree. Yep. (laughs) Gur-arg. Gur-fucking-arg. I'm dating. I'm having serious dating with a werewolf. And I'm studying witchcraft and and killing vampires. It's like a drug.
1: What's your quote of the day,
0: Rex? Oh, I'm going to have to go with first interaction with Buffy and Willow. Where they're talking about the demons and the fact that they didn't have mouths. And Buffy says, well, no mouth means no teeth. Unless they have teeth somewhere else. Ha! (laughs) Ha ha! I like the visualization of it. Yeah. It's disturbing and wrong and just exactly what you need.
1: (laughs) Definitely poses a very interesting question. Regardless... Or irregardless, really. Um, Fuck you.
0: <laughs> okay, Snidely Whiplash.
1: <laughs>
0: What's your quote of the day?
1: My quote of the day, Rex. Runner up is obviously. Sure, we can work out after school. You know, if you're not too busy having sex with my mother, because <laughs> God damn it, that's priceless. Yep. Um, but I think my favorite was still Cordelia. <laughs> Hi, Mr. Beach. I was wondering if you were planning on killing a whole bunch of people tomorrow. Oh, it's for the yearbook. The look on her face really did me in. Yeah. Not only is it just such a ridiculous question, just so iconic of her that she's the one who never says anything that she's not thinking and vice versa or only vice versa. I don't know. You know what I mean. But no, I liked that line a lot. And therefore, it's my quote of the day. Deal with it.
0: Did you like the episode? Yeah, yeah, I did, you know? It jumps around a lot, and just a bit too much, back and forth. There's like five-second scenes over and over again, and it's a bit too much to me. Other than that, I liked it. I just think the editing could have been a lot fucking better. I enjoyed that they had
1: all the Scoobies... It, it didn't feel stretched that they needed all of the Scooby's help to make this happen it didn't feel like they were reaching right um there was a we're getting this nice amount of banter and dissonance between Giles and Wesley but they're also actually kind of working together fairly well
0: yeah i think my biggest problem was the fact that in my memory this episode sat with me so strongly but when I had to sit down and actually go through it scene by scene like we do for this show, it lost something.
1: Yeah, I can see that. Because the I found the editing jarring. Like, yeah, I don't like when it bounces around a lot. But I think if I were to watch the episode straight through without taking notes, that really wouldn't bother me
0: Right, near, nearly you're, as much. You're probably right. So, okay, okay. I like the episode. Okay, moving the fuck on
1: yeah it it definitely had a good message you know don't shoot up schools don't do it that's a bad thing also take care of yourself mental health is important there was I don't know there was some things about the way they kind of kept up just this little note in the background tying the plot of the episode into Buffy and Angel's relationship cause she was talking about Othello yep And oh, yeah, no, that that actually is a good tie in because she was talking about our psychological tendency to doubt ourselves and the people around us, which is a great analogy uh, with Buffy suddenly being able to read minds and have this sudden, deeper understanding of the world around her that she's able to bestow on Jonathan at this moment. Right. All right, every Just the way the whole thing tied together, it was relevant to her relationship with Angel. It was relevant to Jonathan. It's relevant to society today. I didn't feel like there were any loose ends or forced character doings. Right. And even though it was kind of a Monster of the Week episode, yeah, I thought it was a good episode. All right, guys. Well, this has been another episode of Beer with Buffy. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Review us on iTunes. You can find us on patreon.com forward slash beer with Buffy if you'd like to help support us financially or just buy us a beer. If you have any questions, thoughts, comments, concerns, you can always email us at beerwithbuffy at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail or a text if you feel like it at 269-743-0783. As always, thank you very much to Benjamin Alexander and Reggie Page for all of our opening, closing, and transitional music. This has been Beer with Buffy. I'm Josh. I'm Rex. Have a good night. Keanu Speed, Rex. Reeves be with you. and instead of which you would enslave yourself to this this cult you don't like the color <laughs>
0: you have a sacred birthright you were chosen to destroy a vampires we done? Why are we watching this? (laughs)